Welcome everyone you were listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm your host, Pease Del Riz, and joined as always by with conjoined Terry Tam. How's it going, Terry? I'm good. I'm wearing my uh, New York Mets hat in solidarity for uh, Jared Porter. <laughs> I think you chose the wrong side of that one. To be honest. Well, I mean, solidarity for his dick pic. I really want to see the picture. Okay, really so that's you, yeah. what you're trying to do is raise awareness about his penis so you can see his penis. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, the, the Eagle of Master Control joins us uh, for uh, production and other assorted items. How's it going, Eags? Hello. I like how you've simplified my role into production and other items. Please inventory out those other yeah, items for like our audience. Yeah, well, it's because like... You actually do a lot more than just the production of the show, but it's just easier to say and other things. Because, like, your job literally for Hot Sauce Sports is like, hey, Eagle, I don't understand this. Explain it to me because I'm dumb. Or, hey, Eagle, look this up. Or, hey, Eags, find something for this. And uh, you're good. You, you plug all holes, man. I love plugging holes, especially Terry's. <laughs> That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Um, we got a good show ahead of us today, guys. We got, um, we got Hot Sauce Bay. He's a hot sauce reviewer from Instagram. He's going to come talk to us. We did the interview ahead of time. Um, dude's really excitable, really fun. Um, the kind of interview where you just pull a string and let the guy talk. Um, guy, guy's got a lot of really good information. I, I actually learned a lot during the interview. It was fun. Yeah, honestly, it was uh, – I mean, we'll talk – we'll pre-talk about the interview. I guess we're going to precursor to the interview. Proc. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was great. Honestly, uh, I didn't expect, I don't know what to expect really from just the hot, we, it was just a random guy that we had reached out to on, on Instagram and he's like, yeah, I'll come on, I'll do it. He's from Montreal too. So it was perfect. They lined up and I asked him a few questions about if, how much you shit your pants with your, mm. with your, like which hot sauce will make you shit your pants. And you know, he gave us a good answer. Yeah. It's, that's really what everyone wants to know when they look yeah. at it. You look at a bottle of hot sauce, it's like how much of this will end up on the outside of me? How much will end up on the? Uh, how much will end up uh, making you feel like you will die? Mm, exactly, exactly. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on on our site as well. Alex, the intern, posted an article. Um, he thinks the Habs are going to win the cup, so he gives us a breakdown as to why. Um, Christian Johnson Galvez uh, playing the role of the Toronto beat writer, covered the Toronto six games. Um, he has another game tonight. He's covering his article for that game. Will come out tomorrow. Uh, the FA Cup Round 4 recap by Matt McKenzie, who is a new blogger, joining our team. Um, Chelsea sacks Frank Lampard. That's an article out by uh, David Bruno. And Healthy Scratches, a podcast with Mark Dumont, as well as the Life and Fantasy podcast with Spence Plamondon is out. My God, that's a whole lot of content in a, in a short week. It's uh, we're just pumping, man. We're just pumping, yeah, pumping, absolutely. pumping, pumping, I, pumping. I got an article out there. Too. We'll talk about my article uh, when we get to uh, talking about the NFL because it's re- it's related to something we're going to talk about on the show. Um, so definitely, if you like the kind of content we're putting out there, uh, remember to like and subscribe to everything we're doing. Uh, not everything we do is for everyone, right? We try to offer a wide range of things. If you like hockey, the healthy scratch is there. If you like sort of just have a good time and chill and laugh. We got this show. If you guys like more uh, in-depth top topics, there's there's weekly sauce. There's there's all the articles. There's there's a lot of content coming your way. We know that you you can't read all of it. We know that you can't listen to all of it. But do pick the things you like and do tell other people uh, to follow along for the things they might like as well. But remember, the only way to keep us around is to subscribe because that's what keeps us 
uh, providing the content for you. Um, Terry, I, I I saw this story and I, I thought I thought it would be only interesting to me uh, and maybe Eags because we kind of get in on sort of like the business side of things. But I think that this is like where business meets trolling, and and I, I feel like that's why it's got sort of the uh, mass appeal it does. I'm talking, of course, about the GameStop story. Uh, basically, on Reddit, some people figured out, hey, a lot of people are shorting GameStop uh, stock and looking to sort of profit off their misery. Let's let's actually do the opposite. Let's inflate the market price. And they drove up the market price to over $200 a share um, to the point Projecting where the, to go to 1000 These big hedge funders had to take a loss on it. It's crazy, and I, I don't understand. Like I, I buy and I buy and sell here and there. I don't I don't understand much. Like, you know, I have like Air Canada stocks. Like I just like I'm a very basic, like very minimalist investor. And uh, when I read and I'm, I'm interested in the stories like this because it's crazy how much money you can make by investing in companies you don't even have to buy anything from. Well, you're and, not to be clear. You're not actually investing. You're essentially gambling on what you expect the stock to do. So, for exactly. example, in your Air Canada, had you shorted that stock before the pandemic, you would have made a shit ton of money. So by that's what I'm saying. So by short means I'm betting on the fact that it's going to go down. Yeah. So you're borrowing. You're borrowing it at its current worth to buy it when it's lower. Well, no. Crazy. Technically, that's untrue. You're deciding. That's okay. Yeah. So the general way it works is you're coming, you're making an agreement with someone that at a date in the future, you're going to make a transaction at a set price. Okay. So, uh, Terry, six months from now, I'm going to sell you Air Canada stock at 20 bucks a share. Right. Now, what's it worth today versus what it's worth then? If you agree to that sale or whatever the transaction it is, one of us is going to make money because the share may not be at 20 bucks at that point in time. So if it's only at 10 and I'm selling it to you at 20, Right, you're overpaying for that by double, and I'm making a shit ton of money because I'm anticipating it to go down essentially. Follow? Okay. Anyway, right. That's what so shorting the, a stock is. So okay, so these fucking hedge fund guys are like, this is there's no way because the business is obsolete. I mean, if you talk about GameStop, like how many people go to EB Games or oh, GameStop yeah. to buy it's games? It's a great, anymore? it's a great short conceptually until yeah. people troll you. <laughs> Don't piss off the nerds. So Don't piss right. off the nerds. I keep on telling people this: they control the fucking world. Don't but, fuck but it. like, how how isn't this stock market manipulation? Like, how is this not the same as as um, uh, Mar- you know, what was her name, Martha Stewart, telling her rich friends, hey, you know, this is hot stock tip. Like, I mean, they manipulated the price of the stock. Now it was funny, and it's for a good cause because fuck you, hedge funders. But um, eggs, like, what is the legality on on this kind of stuff? Or is this well, or the laws just pre? you know, predate the internet. Well, technically, you can talk about maybe it being market manipulation and the SEC is probably going to look into it, but I'm not really sure exactly how they're going to treat this, right? Because in one way, the only reason they did this is because they figured out there was a short call on these uh, on these shares, right? So... Unless you can prove that there was some type of internal collusion between them to try and like do an insurance fraud, like if they insured the short, I don't know. I I, I don't really know where it's going to fall legally. I think it's okay, but they're probably going to have to change something to make sure they can't do it again. I mean, I don't think anything's going to change because this is how millions, I mean millions, a bunch of people have made money. And if if you take this away, they're all crying now. They're all crying. Every single one of them is crying. They're all saying... 
I just looked at myself and I'm doing, I'm talking like Donald Trump. I don't know why my hands are doing this. It's very weird. Um, they're all crying. They're all saying, oh, no, it's not fair. It's like you're basically gambling and no, 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 no. Well, yeah, that's what buying the stock market is. People only get upset when the rich people don't make money. Yeah. It's, it's funny because uh, it reminds me a lot of the end of the movie, the, the Big Short, where it's like, and all those people went to jail. But and they're like, well, actually, only this one guy went to jail, basically. And yeah, the Big Short's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was funny. You know, there's a um, bunch of guys from Montreal that were part of the 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 Big Short, like a big reason why the the like the whole through the whole mortgage crisis. There was a whole thing in Montreal. There was a it's called United Vision Financial, and they I knew a bunch of guys that worked there, and they made a killing oh. off of just refinancing mortgages. I feel like every time Montreal gets into the global news, it's always for something bad. It's like yeah. MK Ultra manipulating the <laughs> stock market, and oh, I think uh, Luca, Luca Magnata, Harvey Oswald. You know, like come Luca on. Magnata. Luca Magnata. It's seriously, like come on, Montreal, like step it up, step it up. <laughs> um, Terry, we got a lot to get to, so without any further ado, it's time for the news. Ah, Terry, it's the news. I, um, yes, I, I lean back indeed. That's the only way to do it. I, I listened to feedback, Terry. I got some feedback saying that it was too loud, so now I lean away from the mic when I do that. Um, Terry, it was a championship weekend in the NFL. Uh, we saw the games. I have an article out about um, what happened to uh, what happened in the Packers game. Eagle, I'm really sorry about everything that happened. Um, it's okay. It's only the fourth one. <laughs> I know. Is it? It's the fourth in seven years, right? Yep. That's that's pretty awful. Four yep. times, four, fourth NFC Championship. Yep. In the NFC Championship. Uh, twice by bad calls by the refs. This is the first time I think it was by a bad call by the team's head coach. Uh, deciding to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and uh, – and basically kick a field goal and, and sort of try to play field position with with only with under you know uh, under three minutes left. Um, I didn't like the decision when it happened. My article kind of critiques it as well. You know, coaches always talk about you know you got to be tough. You got to you got to you know go out there and play to win. And then you see on in three circumstances in these playoffs, teams kick it away while down in the fourth quarter, and all those teams end up zero and three. I read your article and did you 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 mentioned Vrabel, right? Yeah, absolutely. He was willing yeah, to come so Vrabel, Vrabel famously coming out and saying, "I cut my dick off to go to a Super Bowl, but punting on fourth and two on their on the other team's forty yard line." You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, there's yeah. there's that there's that like there's like I get it. It's the football guys, football talk. Like you know, you got to be tough. Dan Campbell, we'll talk about it later. But like, it, it's it's just it's just listen. You you're not you want to play conservative. You don't want to mess up. Over, we talked about it last week, overcoaching, you know what I mean? Thinking that your defense is going to make a stop because they have been doesn't mean that they're going to make a stop. If you have Aaron Rodgers in the other team's zone, you fucking go for it. I mean, I don't care who you are. Aaron Rodgers, he should have ran that in. I mean, that was his mistake, I yeah. guess, But on the third down. But realistically is that it's Aaron Rodgers. The guy has saved your ass. Well, maybe not Matt LaFleur's ass, but he saved McCarthy's ass a lot in the last fucking 10 years. You know what I mean? So 
Give the ball to your guys. Devontae Adams is considered the best receiver, one of the best receivers in the league. Give the ball to your guys. Aaron and Jones is playing good. Here, here's the simplest way I've been able to explain it to people. If you kick the field goal, you still need a touchdown. So mm-hmm. go for the touchdown now because if you miss, you still need a touchdown. <laughs> We need to stop them and score a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So why not try now? Worst case, you miss and you have to do it again. And in the moment, miss, I'm like, okay, the match makes to... sense, but realistically, it's like it actually doesn't. So, so in the surrender index, there's like I think a one percent difference in terms of probability yeah. outcomes of winning or not, whatever it is. However, if you make the touchdown, you have a 24 percent chance of winning the game or whatever it was. Versus if you make the field goal, you only have like a 10 percent chance or whatever. So. This is assuming success on both of those plays, but anyway, it's it's very complicated. Um, Eagle. So what's what is a greater betrayal t- by the Packers organization? Was it taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, or using up seven rounds in the NFL draft and only drafting a single player who played downs in the NFC Championship game on the offense? Well, you know what they say, right? If you're potentially the number one draft pick and you're available at the 22nd uh, pick, then you take it. Was that what happened with Jordan Love? No! Fucking God! Get get us a goddamn receiver! Jesus Christ! They traded well, up Mel- for Jordan Love. Well, Mel Kiper, yeah, they traded up. Yeah, they didn't have a first-round pick, right? They traded with the Miami Dolphins, who had a million of Houston's picks, to, to get that to get that pick to draft the replacement to who would be the uh, the MVP of the NFL season. Um, I don't hate yet, the value pick of Jordan Love. I hate that they picked a quarterback. The value of Jordan Love is worth it at that point, but they picked a quarterback when they didn't need one. So the necessity is stupid. I, absolutely, I, I agree with you, Terry. There's not a like it's not like you're a team in rebuild. This is a team that was in the NFC Championship. This is not their third year in a row in the NFC Championship. It makes no sense uh, to go out and draft a replacement quarterback. But the, the quarterback on the other side of this ends up being the story. Terry, I have one Tom Brady fact that, and, and we're not doing too much, uh, you know, Super Bowl coverage and stuff because we have a week between um, the the championship games and the Super Bowl. We'll do like a whole bunch of Super Bowl stuff next week, but I didn't want to touch on this. Um, Tom Brady did not play in the NFL for the first 35 Super Bowls. He was either not born yet or too young. Following so far? Yes. So uh, he is still responsible. He still played in 18% of all Super Bowls, even though he didn't play in any of the first 35. So how is it 18%? I can't do math. Yeah, 10 of 55. Oh, there's 55. I was going to say, what Super Bowl are we at? (laughs) I'm like, we're not at 100. Uh, It's... I don't want to hear the Montana comparisons anymore. Like, I, I don't want to hear Ben Botkin. Talk about Montana all you want, but we're just it's not going to happen anymore. I don't want to hear Dan Marino. I don't want to hear, oh, if he won one Super Bowl, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Peyton Manning if he had Bill Belichick. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear everybody say, everybody together now, Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. Do you think that's how he did his interviews for he wanted to go uh, this season around? Like, he just went into the office and be like, so you guys want to make the Super Bowl this year? Well, he so, like, one of the reports I read um, in the in the offseason was the when he went to go meet with Arians and the Tampa Bay group, he was recruiting them. Like, he was recruiting Tampa saying, like, okay, guys, I like all your pieces. I, 
I'm going to come and I think if we do this and we bring in a couple of pieces here and there, we're going to be a Super Bowl contender. He actually like pursued them. And I think he, you know, he chose his spot very specifically, knowing his skill set, being very self-aware, knowing what he needs to succeed, knowing what he didn't have at the end in New England. And, and we see that there. Um, Terry, if, if Tom Brady doesn't win another Super Bowl, and this is his last game. Let's say this is his last game. It won't be the Super Bowl is his last game. It will be 10. We will play Super Bowls for another 45 years, and he will still have been in 10% of them. That's fucking nuts. Like, it's nonsense. It, 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 One player. There's nothing but like it. Charles Haley, I think he played in five, so 19. I mean, 9%. Yeah, which is half, by the yeah. way. <laughs> it's half of what, of what, of what, uh, um, what Brady's played in. Um, the other thing, Terry, you, you mentioned the argument. You know, it's the LeBron Jordan argument. It's it's the Montana uh, Brady argument. And I don't really care. Like, to me, I'm, I just consider myself lucky enough that I got to see Marino. I got to see Montana. I got to see Brady. You know, my life's amazing. Um, but I do find the argument itself is flawed because you're considering years that Jordan and Montana didn't make it to the Super Bowl as a greater success than when LeBron or Brady make it to the Super Bowl. Like the years that you don't win the Super Bowl, whether you play there or not, still count as an L, does it not? Oh, 100%. And so like, I, it's not like Montana played you know, three years and won three Super Bowls or, or Jordan played six years and won six Super Bowls. Of the six, course, uh, yeah. So that's the thing too is I saw, I saw a quote from MJ this week and it was my, my cousin posted on Facebook and it was so dumb, the quote. It said, Michael Jordan said, I never lost any games. I just ran out of time. Yeah, plus you left. Plus no, also but, like... No, but anybody can make that argument. I can make that argument. I never made the NFL, but I, I just lost... I, 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 I could have made the NFL. I just ran out of time. That's true. That's true. Absolutely. I could have I been could, everybody can say anything at this point. And that and people fucking flock to these quotes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's stupid to me. And it's like that's what bothers me the most is that there's this whole thing. Let's take them for what they are. LeBron James, Tom Brady, this era, they are the guys. They are the guys that we look at and okay, we look at them and we know they're the best. That's it. That's all we have to do. And like PC said, is that we're lucky enough to have seen them. I didn't really watch that much Jordan basketball. I watched a bit of it. I wasn't a basketball fan back then. I became more of a basketball fan like late 90s, early 2000s. So, um, but and with Tom Brady, since 2001, I've watched this guy grow up and just dominate the league on a yearly basis. And it's it's crazy to me how people can even consider some somebody else. That's my whole thing. And it won't matter because Pat Mahomes is winning the next 15. So. <laughs> Ah, you know. I don't know. I mean, as as good as the Chiefs are, I don't know. Because I, I don't, I don't know how you beat him. Like they the, come, they don't score, they don't score quick. Uh, the Chiefs and the, but the Bucks do. The Bucks can get like a ten point lead early. And yeah, I don't but, know but like if, so, so I, I haven't seen anyone truly be able to defend like what Mahomes does because if you mm-hmm. don't, if you blitz him, he he just shreds you. His numbers under pressure are, are already legendarily great. And then if you don't. Then this guy who can throw the ball anywhere, from anywhere, from any arm angle, um, and he can also run. You know, like giving him all the time in the world. It doesn't. I don't. I don't understand. Like, I'm dumb, right? I'm not. I'm not an NFL coach. Fine. I. I don't understand how you stop that with those constraints. You want to save the predictions for next week, so we. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, do that then. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll do it next week because uh, yeah, a lot of things are going to happen, and we're going to be talking to Davis Sanchez tomorrow, so. Uh, he'll give, probably give us a few of his predictions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Terry, zero players got inducted into uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I couldn't find a good video clip of this just because the original clip is like five minutes long. But Tom Verducci put out a video about himself filling out a piece of paper talking about the virtues of having ascended by mail. And it, it is the funniest thing I've seen on the internet. Like, it's better than the Bernie Sanders meme. I'm not. I don't, I don't like Tom Bertucci. I mean, listen, he's a good writer and everything, and I, I, look, I absolutely I appreciate him. But, but yeah, it was such a joke of a video. Like, it's just a video of him stroking himself about, like, yeah, I get to vote on this. Oh yeah, um, vote on what? Apparently, so I, I like the system. I, I, I don't like the fact that every in the NFL, the NHL, there's always going to be X amount of number that, like, five people have to get in, whatever the number is. If you don't get enough votes, you shouldn't get in. That's the way I see it. And now when it comes to the case of Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and A-Rod, everybody's talking about them now, is that when these older guys start dying off, then Barry Bonds and A-Rod are going to get in. <laughs> but, but, so, dude, like, Barry Bonds, Hall of Fame, yes or no? Yes. I mean, it, 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 he's the best baseball player I've ever seen in my life, and it's not even close. Vladimir Guerrero for me. I, I, I mean, I, sure, but I just I mean, think that Vladimir Guerrero didn't have like the the work ethic that like Barry Bonds did. If Vladimir Guerrero gave a shit about his body, I think we would be talking about him for a lot lot longer of a career. Maybe not the same amount of home runs. I mean, pure hitter, Barry Bonds. There's no so doubt. I have a story about. I, I, I might have mentioned on the show before when when Barry Bonds was the hitting coach of the Marlins, he got infuriated because the other the hitters on the team couldn't distinguish the ball that was traveling at like you know ninety seven miles an hour like. What do you mean that you don't see the rotation of the seam of the ball? Like that's that's the type of vision Barry Bonds had that he didn't understand how normal human beings don't have that vision. Um, the fact Next that question, I know that he, I know that he cheated, and I think that where this all comes down is a Rod because he's already been accepted back into the club. He's broadcasting games. He's he's popular again. He was uh, on bid to buy a team, so like he's in. He's in, he's in the click now. That's it. So like I I think that's where this all comes down, but at the same time. Um, I, I never, I never, the, the, I, I kind of agree with you, Terry, about the, the baseball system, but I, I hate the, the baseball approach to this where it's, it's so self-sacrosanct and, and like, you're okay with Ty Cobb, who was just an awful human being being in a hall of fame, but Barry Bonds, who, who, you know, broke other rules, um, is not in the game. Like it just, it is it, not in the hall of fame. It, it makes no sense. It's supposed to be a museum, uh, of the game and, you're taking away its most important chapter. Like all these baseball writers, like like a guy like Tom Bertucci, wasn't it the steroid era that gave him his career in baseball? Absolutely. He, he would have nothing to write about. If it wasn't if it wasn't for that era, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, that whole thing, Jose Canseco, Juiced. You ever read Juiced? Sorry? You ever read the book Juiced, Jose Canseco's yeah, book? Yeah. Great book. Great book Absolutely. because of how dumb he is. Um, <laughs> uh, and... If there wasn't these guys, we wouldn't be talking about baseball. Mike Trout wouldn't be making $400 million right now if, yeah. if it wasn't for Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. So there's a thing that we need to put in place that says, hey, you're going to get into the Hall of Fame because the amount of money you've made all these journalists and all these fucking analysts and, and future players. And that's the, that's the part that bothers me the most is like, okay, they got in shit. They got caught. Whatever. They were on the juice. Who gives a fuck? It's not a contact sport. Okay, that's the, that's the way I see it. If it's a contact sport, you're not the juice. Hockey, football, uh, boxing, MMA, whatever. Baseball is not a contact sport. If you want to hit the ball as far as you can, then hit it. If you need fucking to put syringes in your ass to do it, then do it. 
That's but also the, the pitchers were also taking steroids. Of course, everybody's so, on it. Fuck. Even Ross Clemens. Fair at that point, like, if, like if everyone's like, it's a whole thing with 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 Lance Armstrong, right? When we when we believed everyone else is cheating except for this one guy who's dominating everyone, and then like when you find out he was cheating, like, well, obviously he's beating all the people who are taking steroids. <laughs> Not only that, but, but if you looked at all the people that tested positive for steroids, you would have to have gone to like the person that finished twenty fifth at, at the Tour de France. But yeah. somehow Lance Armstrong was the one that was the scapegoat. Listen, he did it. It was wrong. I get it. But like, let's let's call a spade a spade here. The system's broken, not the person. Absolutely. Um, and and we see Kurt Schilling now saying he he doesn't want to be considered anymore. He wants to be removed from the list. Um, Kurt but Schilling Kurt, he's actually has... an asshole. So. Sorry, he's actually an asshole. So yeah, that's fine. I'm yeah, okay so... with him. Like. I, I actually so it's gonna be surprising to you, Terry, because of my sensibilities. Because I actually think he's absolutely an asshole. I think he's he's a piece of shit, and he and he profits on the internet by uh, just being a dick. Um, that said, to me, the Hall of Fame is about what you do on the field, and there's no doubt Kurt Schilling was great. Like absolutely, he has absolutely moments you remember. His numbers are absolutely on par with people in the Hall of Fame, and I hate the idea of like, well, this guy is not a a first ballot Hall of Famer, his career won't improve next year. The numbers are already there. So either you think they're good enough or they're not. All right, bring, and, it brings me back to the NHL argument with Pat Burns. I, I, I've brought this up a few times. Pat Burns was like on his deathbed and he was eligible to be in the Hall of Fame. They didn't put him in because he, some reason, whatever, they didn't put him in. And then they put him in the next year. Yeah. And after he died. And I like, like what, a, what a waste. What, why? Why? Honestly, like, you know he's going to get in. Put him in. Yeah, you, honestly, at that point, you're just a piece of shit for not putting him in. Like, Put him what in. are you doing? He's gonna die. He's one yeah. of the best coaches in the history of the NHL. Put him in. Fuck. People are stupid. People don't <laughs> want to set precedents because they don't want to be wrong. They are dumb. People are dumb. I am stupid. Humans are stupid. That's my. That's my philosophical theory. It's like that's Greeks. Like, so we say let animals. I'm dumb. Let that's animals cool. vote on the uh, Hall of Fame. Let you know, like when they let cats choose the. Uh, she was the winner of the football game. Same thing. Oh, like Maggie the monkey on TSN. Yeah, like yeah. Get Maggie the monkey. Yeah, and let her let her vote yes or no on Barry Bonds. I'm or, sure she'll vote yes. Just move the the voting to Twitter polls. Done. Or yeah, or we just get Duke's dog, uh, scoop, mm-hmm. and whichever whichever picture he shits on, that's the one that's going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's the guy. We need to do that. We need to we need to recast the vote with just Snoop. Voting on who gets into the Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm fucking down. I'm hundred percent Duke will do it. Yeah, we gotta set this up. Eagle, we'll set it up tomorrow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think uh, I think once A Rod gets in, I think I think a lot of this stuff falls because he's just the pretty face you can put on steroids. Um. Conor McGregor took an L uh, at the UFC. I watched the fight, Terry, and, and you know more about the sport than I do. But to me, it it just looked like Conor McGregor was not particularly ready or sharp for this fight. Oh, no. He looked he look good. I do think he looked good. A lot of people like to say that after the fact, but realistically, but he, he looked, looked like good. He was letting himself get hit a lot early. Well, this is, what, this is what Conor McGregor does, though. The thing is, Conor McGregor, if you bring the fight to him, he doesn't really respond well. All his fights, every single one of them, every time he's knocked somebody out or whatever, he's grinded. He's had to, the one that had to put to work. If you watch the fight, the first round was all him. He won the round. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. Conor McGregor won nothing going to the second. Second round starts. He starts peppering Dustin Poirier again against the cage. He, Dustin Poirier's back against the cage. All of a sudden, Poirier, who does, who's always been very good at this, he makes extremely good adjustments. His coaching is unbelievable. He has one of the best coaches in Mike Brown. 
in the world, in the world, an American top team. And they made those adjustments mid-round, and he flipped it. He put Connor against the cage. What Connor doesn't do, what a lot of fighters do, is that when you when you get tagged, they react by putting their hands up to protect their chin. Where Connor doesn't do that. Connor's not a natural boxer. He's a he's a karate guy, so his hands are always down. His hands are always down. So he's 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 naturally he's trying to move his head. He has very good head movement. So as he's trying to move his head, Dustin Poirier figured out his combinations and cracked him one on the forehead that dropped him. It just it was all Dustin Poirier. I can't. I don't want to take anything away from Dustin Poirier. Like I, I we spoke about this before the show. Listen, watch. I was watching first take yesterday, and Dustin Poirier is on. And the first two questions that Molly Kareem is that her name? Kareem. Molly Karim. Karim. And Stephen A. asked, we're about Conor McGregor's stamina and his career path. Who gives a fuck? Dustin Poirier has a t-shirt that says the good fight. It's about his charity that the whole fight was based around him. And they didn't ask him one question. People need to stop, get, stop getting on Conor's dick and talk about the guy who just beat him, Dustin Poirier. The guy fought a perfect fight, and he's a good fighter, and we need to give him respect. I'm, I'm t- it, the fact that Conor lost isn't an insult to uh, – shouldn't be, shouldn't be considered as an insult to Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier's a good fighter. And I'm, yeah, and honestly, it's like, boring. I, I, um, I thought I thought Poirier fought a good fight, and to me, again, it just seemed like like McGregor left himself open. But to your point, he did. And you, this is where I, I defer to your expertise because you know the sport better than I do. That that's what he does, I guess, and uh, and that's why he 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 got knocked down. I actually saw an, uh, an article that came out around the same time of the fight. I don't remember if I read it before or the morning of or the morning after the fight. It was um on a a, a, a website called the Daily Beast, which is not something I typically refer to, but I have to give him credit. A lot of good reporting was done. They reached out to sources. They did actual reporting on this, um, and they talked about how ESPN hasn't wanted to talk about Conor McGregor's um, history with uh, essentially rape, where he has a rape charge against him uh, in Ireland, uh, one of three sexual assault charges. Um, ESPN actually referred to it on air as the woman's personal injury. So they didn't refer to it as a sexual assault. Oh, they didn't refer to it as a rape trial. Well, I once, uh, my friend just played a prank on me and they ordered food for me. Arab ordered me food. <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> I mean, yeah, can goes, someone so, yeah. play a prank on ESPN. me then? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I, he sends me a screenshot. He's like, I did a favor for him. He's like, thanks for the spot. And then I look at a screenshot and I see it's Uber Eats. So, but I ignored it. And then my girlfriend just opened the door. She's like, did you order food? I'm like, no. She's like, you ordered food. I go, no, it's not me. It was Andrew. <laughs> well, uh, it's a weird spot in, in the uh, conversation for that to happen. Because we're talking about ESPN not covering Conor McGregor's rave trial. Eagle, can you weigh in? <laughs> because uh, there. I mean, I guess it has to do with <laughs> either they don't want to bring that topic up. Or there's too many sponsorship and endorsements or brands associated with him that they don't want to tarnish the relationship. Either way, it's starting a, a really bad precedent in terms of if you're big enough, you can get away with anything and the media will help you cover for it. So well, I don't like but, it. But, well, here's the thing. So ESPN is under no obligation to be a news entity, right? They, um, there's no J and there's no – well, the N uh, – Center network, not news in ESPN. It's, it's an entertainment network. We've come to expect them um, as to be a news agency because of the way they've reported throughout their history. But as times are changing, when there's never been a news agency that's been a partner 
with uh, who they're covering, which is why people are concerned about well, the Washington Post being, you know, uh, being uh, an interest for for Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Uh, we don't. We find it interesting, for example, that um, the the NFL is a partner with with ESPN, and they stopped covering concussions at one point. And this is another well, case talk, where LeBron UFC James is not talking about the shit in China, you know. So it's it's whenever the, your li- your pockets are being lined, that's when people don't talk about it. So it, it's 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 um, it's important for for actual reporting to be done, and a lot of it's been done by the New York Times. Because then I went down the rabbit hole and started doing some reading, and we've we people stopped reading news and started counting on uh, entertainment networks to bring us that news. And unfortunately, that's that's simply not how it works. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be a com- a complicated, um, legacy that Conor McGregor leaves behind. But at this point, Terry, is it just a bigger name? Like, I know he, I'm not taking away from his talent, but is, is his name bigger than his accomplishment? Um, no, because what he's accomplished for the sport, what he's accomplished for the sport is bigger than anything that anybody else has ever accomplished. You know what I mean? Yeah. What he's um, what he's I, done for the sport is that I don't think so. I mean, his his name is bigger than the the fighter that he is. He's still one of the best fighters in the world. Like, there's no doubt about that. But his name is no. I don't. I think Conor McGregor's name is aligned with all his accomplishments because what he's done for the sport has brought it to a point where even peas you're watching it. Now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, there the, before this event happened. And weirdly related to the the COVID acts that was signed by um, by President Trump when he was still in office, it empowered the UFC to go after internet hackers. I don't know how the two things are related, but it's absolutely a part of of, of that bill. Um, Dana White um, made a you know made a point about going after the hackers, and then all over the United States, people were complaining because ESPN Plus went down. Um, it, it appears no one's really taking credit for it, but it does appear to be that uh, they were sort of victims of uh, a sort of hacking retaliation. Uh, but sort of neither side is is taking like they're not taking credit for it. And then you know ESPN is not admitting to this, but essentially hundreds of thousands of people who paid for the fight weren't able to watch the fight. Um, and then I just remembered this interview he did with Ariel Helwani, and I want to bring it up because. Dana White has one move. He's a, he's a bully. It's what he does. And this is, to me, just an old man sounding like a boomer. In an this interview. is old. This is like 12 years old. old. I know. It just, it's, so it's so good. It's so good. I, I, I credit card back. infos on the site. You don't care what's going on. What do you say yeah. to those people? Yeah, people said my, my, my website. It, it's what it was is you had all these people that, that are part of this whole internet thing that's going on. That were, that were doing that. You're not going to play games with me. I'm not going to play games with you people. You know, these guys went in and hacked our website. They moved our URL. That's what they did. You know, not, first of all, the system that we have set up at, at, at UFC is very good, you know, for people. But there's guys out there, these internet guys are geniuses. These guys are hacking government websites, you know. This stuff's going to happen. And no, nobody's, nobody's stuff was compromised. But again, I just had this conversation earlier. You know, you have a lot of people, including yourself, and yes, I will call you out and all the other journalists that are terrified of the media, of the uh, internet. They're terrified of the internet. What you, makes you say that? It's a fact. I've dealt with it for the last 10 years with you guys. You guys are terrified of the internet, but don't feel bad. They're, based they're, on what? I'm just curious. Sen- there's senators and, and lots of other people that are terrified of the internet. What would, I, what, would we be, what would we be scared of? We work on the internet. What would we be scared of? 
You're scared of the of, of of the people. Of the people. You're absolutely afraid. So based on what? Of the people. Don't play games. You know you are. You are, and all the other guys that were standing here today are terrified of the internet. I'm not. I'm not afraid of the internet. It's a place where cowards live. Okay. And the way the way that this whole <laughs> thing has gone down, them hacking our site was the best thing they could have ever done for us. Because what that does is now you look like terrorists. And now you, a lot of people that were afraid of you now hate you. You know, there, there's a way. Is, is this bill perfect? No, no bill is perfect. You mean the SOPA and yeah. PIPA? So, no bill is perfect. This thing, I think this thing started off <clears throat> with the right idea. You know, stealing is stealing. Hmm. If you walk into a store and you steal a watch or if you steal a pay-per-view, it's still stealing. But there's this whole generation that grew up when everything is free on the Internet. You know, and, and they don't want to see that change. And I understand that. <clears throat> I get it. Um, but th it's not right. There's something that needs to be worked out that works for everybody, whether it's the UFC stealing pay-per-views, stealing people's songs, the artists, whether it's movies or whatever it might be. There's an answer to fix this. So I, I don't I wouldn't call. I mean, listen, Dana White and Helwani have gone at it for years. Helwani's not allowed at events anymore. Like. Is, well, I mean, he's, he's allowed back, but he just doesn't go because he doesn't need to anymore. Um, Dana White is a very shrewd businessman. And, yeah, he could bully people. But he's right, though. People, If I'm going to catch you, if I'm going to have to sacrifice a few people. To, because the, the whole thing with, with the fighters is that people complain that they don't get paid paid enough, right? Especially in the UFC. And what he's trying to do is make sure that the money, that the, the product that they're putting out is being paid for, which is normal. Right, we yeah. put out free content. You don't have to pay us shit, okay? But if we paid for it and then somebody hacked it, you know, if if somebody paid five dollars a month, why is why are you paying five dollars a month and somebody else isn't? I pay for every single UFC. I don't find I find it pretty shitty that there's people out there that complain on Twitter and online that they can't find a a, a free stream. That's the no, part that bothers me. Like I, I get that. It just for me it was like he talked about the hacker like it was a person. And yeah, yeah, he's like, like the guy. And like, you know, I, I, I kind of like Ariel's reaction. It's, it's one of my favorite interviews he's done where he's kind of like tongue-in-cheek, be like, why would we be scared of the internet? We work on the internet. Like, <laughs> um, no, but what Dana White meant when he said we found the guy, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because he, he then, this time around, was like saying he found we found the guy. So they did off. find a guy. They did find they a guy. A guy correct. Yeah, yeah, a guy. They did, they did. And he's talked about it in the post-fight press conference after. He said, there's this one guy that had access to, like, he when he put his live stream on, there was a bunch of websites that paid him to put it on. So he was, like, yeah. one of the guys. So when he said that at the pre-fight press conference, that guy went as, the guy that they found, okay, went, put a statement out saying, I'm not putting the McGregor, the McGregor fight on. So yeah. it's because he was worried. He's like, and he's like, it's, it's a good thing you didn't do it because... We caught you. So now the thing about Dana White is that he likes to say a lot of things. We don't know if we believe it or not. But I believe that they're doing they're putting their millions of dollars into the fact trying to find guys that are scamming them for millions of dollars. I know. Just, just uh, to your point, uh, Terry, you can't fuck with the nerds because they're going to come for all, all your shit. All um, of them. Every single one of them. Like, I feel like Like him, Eagle. I don't trust that guy, but I'm not going to cross him once. Never. But it's it. Like, you know, I get, I get that Dana White can be an intimidating guy and he's got a lot of resources behind him. But at the same time... They kind of knock down your feet on ESPN Plus. Like, like, do you do you want to keep going at them? Like, maybe just pretend like it's not going on, or or find more subtle ways. Maybe don't brag about taking it down. Just sort of take them down and you know quietly collect your money. Um, anyway, we got a great interview coming. Uh, we're gonna talk to Hot Sauce Bay. 
He's an internet um, hot sauce connoisseur. It's a perfect marriage with us because we're fat and we like eating stuff with hot sauce on it. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. As promised, we have a hot sauce reviewer. Uh, those of his, those closest to him and those he considers to be friends call him Alexi. So we call him Hot Sauce Bay. That is where you can find him on Instagram. Um, the dude loves the sauce. It was a perfect pairing with us, of course. Uh, Hot Sauce Bay, thank you for joining us on Hot Sauce Sports. Uh, what can you tell us about your page and what got you to start reviewing hot sauces? Great. Thanks. Question. I want to thank you guys again for having me on here. It's uh, actually my first podcast experience ever and uh, definitely living up to the hype, you know, and uh, it's exciting, you know, and I mean, as you'll get to know through this whole session, you know, I kind of like talking. So I guess you picked the right guy to, to be on your show. Um, yeah. To answer your question, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not really that long of a story. It's basically just, I'd say halfway through high school, I kind of started putting a ridiculous amount of chili flakes and pepper on like my pizza at lunchtime. And then I'm like, Hey, I kind of like, you know, the capsaicin sensation and kind of like discovering different foods and learning about different cultures and different cuisines. So I kind of like just started saying, Hey, why don't I just, you know, get into hot sauce. And actually one year, actually it was 2011. So at the end of my high school years, um, I was at the Atwater market and that was my first real experience there. And I got to go to Les Douceurs du Marché, which has an amazing selection of local and internationally renowned hot sauces. Um, and so I went there, I just started, I don't know, I bought what, four or five bottles with like, you know, wacky names and all kinds, you know, like on the ch- tongue in cheek kind of titles, but I kind of still read the ingredients. I wanted to make sure, you know, oh, is it kind of natural or is it tasty? And after that, man, it's, it's, it's that's basically, that's where it took off. I just started buying a lot of different hot sauces. I, I began doing a few reviews online. Uh, I had like a small blog thing that I kind of stopped, but then I ended up doing actually online reviews for Chili Chilies and they're based in Ottawa actually. And they have the largest uh, hot sauce collection or hot sauce collection in all of Canada and they actually ship everywhere. And so for a while, my initial experience of thinking about these kinds of topics more deeply was, you know, really just writing actual reviews. I wrote, I don't know, 400, 500 words on on a sauce, any given sauce that I enjoyed. You know, and I would talk about the pairings. I talked about the heat level, of course, even though that's subjective, as you know, I kind of wanted to go into details about, you know, what ingredients are there, what, how the flavors are balanced, and a bit about companies. Because as you guys know, there are so many hot sauce companies now, and there's a lot of amazing local ones in Quebec as well. So it kind of just all kind of snowballed. And I, I also worked for another hot sauce company in Quebec doing like production and being kind of sales rep type of guy, but it was more like doing demos, like, you know, like Marché Jean Talon, Marché Atwater, uh, and a few grocery stores around uh, the area. I would basically go there, have a bunch of hummus, have some salads I prepared and like have the hot sauce in all of it and just kind of help with selling. So I guess this kind of gives you an overview really, but uh, a big part of this, and I have to give a shout out to all my friends that have suffered with me through the years is really like, and you know, when, social gatherings were still, you know, possible. I would have a lot of friends over either for my birthday or just in general, and we'd have just order a ton of pizza or poutines and all kinds of stuff. And I, ha- I have like, I don't know, I have like 50 sauces in my fridge or more at, at any given time. And I have, I have a whole hot sauce collection of empty, uh, empty bottles that I've like obviously washed out, categorized, you know, organized nicely. And I, I kind of have it as like a flavor wall. I know there's a lot of jokes about like, you want to see my pleasure room? Like, you know, like the, uh, what was that? The, that? That horrible book for forty-year-olds or whatever. Uh, uh, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey. 
Yeah, I was like, Fifty Shades of Grey, let me show you my pleasure room, but me, it's literally just hot sauce, so, like, you know, nothing too harmful, but, man, some sauces can really kick your ass, that's for sure. So, uh, to summarize it, man, it's, it's been always uh, an introspective slash social um, journey for me, you know, getting my friends to try hot sauce, and as you're going to know throughout this um, podcast, through this session, uh, I'm not all crazy about heat only, it's really the flavor is, is paramount, it's, it's flavor for me is way more important than just oh man, this uh, sauce is so damn hot, it's like blowing my brains out. You know, that's fun and have, there's a time and a place for it. And it, it's fun to have the natural kind of, you know, physiological reactions going on. But to me, it's really like, does it taste good? And do you like it? That's what matters. It's kind of like with whiskey or, or gin mm-hmm. or like other things that, or wines even, you know, I'm not saying this is as complex as wines, of course, but, you know, you might be a fan of more vinegary. You might be a fan of you might not like smoky sauces. You might really like passion fruit mango sauces with freaking scotch on it. I don't care. Like you can like whatever you want. And that's the that's the beauty of hot sauces. That there's there's such a diversity in hot sauce that I think a lot of people are not aware of. And I'll just finish with this point. When I was doing my kind of sales with demoing of hot sauces for a while. Oh, and another shout out to Boucherie Bourbien. They're uh, on uh, Rue Nicolet in uh, in Hochelaga, and they have an amazing butcher. It's an amazing butcher. Uh, and they have tons of uh, Quebec and uh, North American and, you know, other like international hot sauces. They have great meats, great snacks, great beers, marinades, barbecue sauces. And they actually, they were the first people I had worked for before working for the other hot sauce company. So, um, yeah, pretty crazy. So all this to say, man, like to me, it's really about, you know, getting together. Well, it used to be about, you know, getting together with friends saying, oh, you're, you're trying that glow sauce? Oh, shit. And then, like, I'd have, like, a recording of, like, all our reactions and stuff. It was never, like, a super formal hot sauce, a hot one, excuse me, hot one kind of thing. It was really just, you know, try this out, try this out. And I got, man, I got so many of my friends into hot sauce. Like, I have friends, man, they would, like, just touch sriracha and they're like, oh, shit, I'm dying. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm like, dude, like, I, and that's Sugar. the thing, man. I never be, I, yeah, I know, exactly. But I don't <laughs> belittle my friends either. Because, I mean, it's easy to just be like, oh, you find that, oh, you fucking, you know, loser or whatever. But I'm, I was never, I'm never that kind of person anyway. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I tease, it's, you know, it's normal. But um, to me, it's just like, hey, man, if you really like that garlic smoked habanero uh, fucking, I don't know, pickled whatever sauce, then you go for it. And I'm, I don't know how I'm coming off to you, but I'm a super open-minded person in a lot of aspects of life, but especially when it comes to hot sauce. Like, it takes a lot for me to be like, man, that sucks. That really sucks. You know, like, so um, that's kind of like, I guess I'd say like a brief summary about that. And I'll add one last thing and I'll keep going. But um, basically my page, it, it is a lot about hot sauce. Primarily, I would do a lot of food blogging and food, quote unquote, reviews. You know, I would never go super into like, oh, you know, I had these scallops with this asparagus, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I wouldn't rate my meals. It was really like when I, when I was still going out to restaurants, I'd really enjoy the social aspects of dining out, meeting new people, quote unquote foodies, even though I don't really use that word about myself because I think it's kind of redundant at this point. But it's just like, you know, food, uh, cocktails. I don't know if you've seen on my page, I love making cocktails, especially since yeah, quarantine yeah. started last year. I've just been amping up my home bar and really like experimenting with different spirits and uh, just, I, I'm really, I'm based on the classics, man. Like I, I just have like, old fashioned Manhattan, you know, Negroni and uh, all uh, Eagle is our producer's a huge uh, old fashioned guy. I like all oh, that yeah? shit, oh, all that yeah. stuff. Like, Negronis yeah. too. Nice. There's another yeah. variation yeah, the of a Negroni with uh, yeah. Lilith instead of using uh, the uh, whatever you're going to use oh, you're there. And the white everything. Negroni? Very different. The white Negroni? The white yeah. Negroni, yeah. And yeah, white slash gold. And I call it 
I mean, you can call it white, but sometimes depending on how much Suze you put and whatever, it ends up looking gold, but I don't care. But yeah, man, like that's definitely a, Negronis are great. And old fashioned, I have a question then for you, actually. I'll turn the floor to you. Uh, are you more into bourbon or rye when it comes to like classic cocktails? Or bo- you could say both and then oh, it depends on my mood. Whatever. I, I usually um, go with a nice good bourbon, keep it a, the classic style and everything, but I have yeah, like, yeah. 20 or 25 different types of bitters, like whether it's cranberry Ooh. or rhubarb oh, or yeah. cocoa macadamia nut type of stuff. Like they're all over the place. Nice. Nice. Are you all right, so uh, we don't have any more questions for you, Alexi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, so um, Hot Sauce Bay, it's, I'm super happy you joined us. Um, it is your first podcast. And honestly, I love the just pull the string and let the guy go. It was it was awesome to like a comedic level how you basically just uh-huh. gave us the biography. I loved it. But in order for us to get the most out of you, if you can just restrict your answers a little bit, because right now you're facing <laughs> for one question per interview. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was no great, though. Honestly, I, I I was I'm writing down as you're talking, and I wanted to ask you a few questions. So one yeah, is, what the hell is a Scoville? So that's the first mm, thing. A question, yeah. Terry. I never knew what a Scoville was until we did our first episode. Uh-huh. I think we called it like Scoville. What was our first? It was Welcome to Scoville. Scoville. Yeah. Welcome to Scoville. Yeah. I have no idea what uh-huh. it is. So what is a Scoville, Alexi? Yeah, so basically in 18, uh, like 1830, 1840, there's this guy in America. I don't know where. Someone's not in North Carolina. I don't fucking know. Uh, this guy, he's a scientist. Like Angel, Florida. Angel, Florida. Angel, Florida. There you go. Angel, Florida? He was born in Connecticut, but he ended up uh, in Florida at the end of his life, yeah. You would never think yeah. that somebody from Connecticut would invent hot sauce. Most basic no, people ever. No, they invented ever. like Stepford Wives or whatever. Don't they don't even put but, salt um, on anything. Yeah, and I was like, what's that, what's that meme with the white people? It's like, honey, you spiced it up this year, and it's like just salt. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Wilbur Scoville, basically, he was a chemist in the late, mid to late, I don't know, mid to late 19th century in the U.S., and basically he discovered, or he, through certain tests, with, in, he was very much a chemist. He's very much a chemistry guy. He invented or coined the organoleptic test, which basically he would take, hot peppers or like the extract of hot peppers and you dilute them in water and he kept testing with people the reason it's called organoleptic is because you're using your organs per so so to speak doing your mouth and your throat to kind of test is it spicy still so he would dilute continually continually until i don't know he had some units like thousands of drops to drops of whatever jalapeno or habanero or whatever and he would do that until the heat is not detectable then that would be like, okay, so that was 5,000 Scoville because it took 5,000, you know, drops of water to kind of bring it. To oh, okay. So, That's what I was wondering. Like, why, what do you mean 2 million? Yeah. Like, what, are you putting, what's, what 2 million is in this drop of freaking hot sauce right here? It's, oh, it's yeah, basically it's like it a, is. A pool. It is how much water. So just Scoville is just a fancy word for water. So right now I'm drinking myself a hot sauce <laughs> Scoville. It's delicious. All right. All right. Uh, hot sauce, Bay. I wanted to know, what's your favorite base pepper for hot sauce? For myself... I was big on Scotch Bonnet. Now I've sort of migrated a little bit. I love Apache-based uh, hot sauces. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely a good one. Um, there's Because there's so many peppers out there, and although, as you know, most hot sauces really focus on, you know, the, almost everything. It's jalapeno, habanero, ghost, reaper, you know. Um, I, love, I love sauces. Actually, I really like sauces that... Um, they experiment with different ways, like either the peppers are pickled more or they're smoked. I'd say overall, I think 
because as you know, even within say the habanero category, there's different ones. There's green, yellow, red, orange. There's the, uh, um, there's, there's a lot of varieties. I don't know. I think my home, like my old, my classic favorite really, uh, I'd say habanero, red habanero, um, mixed with like different things. So I don't know, like I, it's hard for me to say just because I like every sauce really. Every pepper I think has value. Every pepper um, can be used in really interesting ways. So I'd say habanero is like my most go-to where I'm like, you know what, I don't want it to be like super mild, but I don't want it to be like that hot, like too hot either. And for me, habanero is a good like middle ground. Uh, ghost pepper is really earthy and, and particular, and I really like that one. I kind of, though, I think the reaper has a better flavor than ghost. That's just my personal opinion. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I think habanero is like the general go-to. I'll have to say that's my favorite. And there, as you know, there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of variety within the habanero category. So I yeah. don't want to give you too specific an answer because, oh, the red one from this region of this, you know, because yeah, yeah. that's not necessarily. So, uh, yeah. so when we started doing hot sauce, whatever. People always thought that, like, I'm a hot sauce guy. Like, I like hot sauce. We got a few mm-hmm. hot sauce sponsors that ended up coming out and, and you know, worked out well for us. So okay. it's always fun. But I always say, like, I'll say, like, oh, this is good sauce. It'll, like, sh- it'll, you'll shit your ass. Like, is <laughs> what is the hot sauce that has made your 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 bowel movements probably burn? Burn the most. Actually, okay, that's a great question the very necessary question for yes sure. um, absolutely it's always man, the first thing that people want to know yeah <laughs> no yeah because it's like well how far have you gone you know um <laughs> i can't say that i've like ingested military grade pepper spray but i've come close to that um so there's this hot sauce and shout out to hellfire hot sauce from league geneva wisconsin um merle and diana they're the owners they're amazing people i've actually met them in new york two years in a row uh, I, where when I had also met Sean Evans, which is another thing we could maybe touch on later, but yeah, I met the guy who's cool. Anyway, so, uh, Sean Fire, Evans is the, oh, hot sauce, is the hot ones guy, right? Yeah. The hot ones interviewer, the yeah, yeah, he's famous cool. guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically the sauce man absolutely wrecked me. It wrecked me so much. It didn't even bother to go to my stomach, dude. Like I'm not even kidding right now. <laughs> um, so this, I'll, I'll give a really, of course, very abridged version of the experience. Cause I know like, you know, don't want to go into too much detail basically and i've had a lot of hot sauces that like at least one million scoville which is already quite damn hot especially because this is the thing man if you eat a ghost pepper it's between 800,000 and one million scoville generally speaking that's if you eat the entire pepper that's like for sure you're getting that that's that's different than just having a tiny bite it's not exactly you know what i mean so a hot sauce that's literally been um like chemically tested in in a lab could be like yeah this is definitely one million on the dot so man i had a sauce like that and I'm able to have a couple of drops. And, you know, it's pretty damn good, I will say. You know, some of them, like, you know, Mad Dog 25th Anniversary Edition. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Original Mad Dog, can't really stand it, but that's just not my cup of tea. But Mad Dog 25th Anniversary Edition comes with another nice little bullet. That's great. But this other sauce that actually destroyed me is even hotter than that, I think. Uh, it's called Right Hand of Doom. And it was actually made for the Hellboy movie. You know, I don't yes, know that Hellfire. I think I've had this one. Have you seen them? The Right Hand of Doom, it's like dark brown. Yeah, I think I've I've tried it. Uh, My friend of mine, I brought like a few hot sauces and I think that was one of them. Okay. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my experience and then I want to see your feedback. Basically, man, I didn't actually, but I did was, you know, I, you know, like I had to milk it. I'm not going to do this alone and just die in a corner. So I went on Instagram live, of course, you know, some people joined and they started chatting and man, I had, I think maybe not a full tablespoon, but like, like almost a table, like definitely more than a teaspoon, which is already absolutely ridiculous. So I had that man and I thought I had a full stomach. I thought I lined it with fucking tea or I don't know. Well, not tea, obviously, but like milk and whatever, you know? So like, 
Uh, and then I had it, man, and it was a, it was a very slow, painful process. My mouth was on fire more than it had had been in so damn long since I had like a fresh reaper one time. And then I went into my throat, which was killing me. Like I was able to breathe and stuff. Like I don't have any respiratory problems either. So that's good. Uh, but man, once it like right about to enter the stomach, and this is the weird thing. The reason that I ended up hurling, you know, vomiting afterwards was actually because I had drunk so much goddamn almond milk and like cream and ice cream and shit. Like my stomach just couldn't handle anything entering it. And it was still in ridiculous pain, even though I was, I was doing all the remedies and everything they say to do. And, I have, and I've already tried and tested all these method, methods, of course. And man, I just let it out. And then actually, I felt pretty good about 10 minutes after that. So I'm so damn glad that my body knew what to do. Because if I had gone to my like, intestines, I don't fucking know what I would have done. Like, so that was probably the most painful experience. And it was a quick, it was a very quick experience. Within 10 <laughs> minutes, all this happened. You know, it's not like, I don't know if you've seen that ink, that like 2010 video, some some yoga dude, some shirtless yoga dude on a beach eating a ghost pepper rolling around in the fetal position. Like, I wasn't quite as entertaining as that guy, but I will say that my face clearly, like, I had a face of like, oh, crap, I'm, uh, I'm on a, I'm, I'm about to crash my car. You know, like, my face was really yeah. like, oh, shit, this is the end, kind of. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was my experience. Um, I, what about I you? Tried, you had that sauce with, yeah? I, I, we had it, we, I, I remember having it, but we, we cooked with it, so it wasn't as bad, oh, but it oh, was... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a put a hot sauce on directly on your wings kind of guy. I'm more like mix it into like a sauce, like a batter. But I do, there is some hot sauce that I do put directly on. Like I tried this one called Ass Blaster. Circle back to my previous question. Ass Blaster is pretty good. Not gonna lie, it really it was. Really, it was the advertising true on that one, Terry? Yes, it blasted my ass. It blasted there we my go. ass. Um, Actually, so, Ass Reaper is very good. I know Ass Reaper. Yeah, I had like a little Grim Reaper guy on it. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the same one. I think it was just maybe like a different. Oh, it reminded me okay. of that. Anyway, like I remember the Grim Reaper on it, so maybe it was that, and I'm wrong with the name. Could be. Oh, could be, could be. We're we're running a little short on time, uh, but I do have one last question to ask before we let you go. Uh, Hot Sauce Bay, what like you know when you see people uh, testing different kinds of things, uh, you'll see, for example, like you know with different types of sushi, people have ginger sort of to cleanse the palate. What's the palate cleanser? Or a hot sauce connoisseur? That's a pretty good question. Um, I can't Thanks, say bro. that I've really tested this out too much. Like, I haven't sat down with like 10 different snacks and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like the number one out of these ones, you know? Um, I'd say from experience, anything that can kind of just absorb the taste back and then you just swallow that. So, you know, it could be red, it could be a cracker with like enough maybe fiber on it or, or olive oil. Olive oil will definitely help take the oils off of your tongue and off of your, uh, all the other parts of your mouth. Ah. Um, so because that binds, the fat binds, you know, that's why drinking water has never done anything for hot sauce. And I know it's a rookie mistake. A lot of people just drink a liter of water and think that's going to do something. No, it just swishes it around. So much worse. Peppers are oil-based, right? Capsaicin so milk works, in, in right? Yeah, milk. So milk has been proven to be effective. Also, certain citrus juices. Yeah, citrus juices actually help a little bit to better to neutralize. Um, I haven't sat around. I mean, I've had like lemon, like straight up lemon juice that's helped a little more and things like that. But if if you're saying in terms of like in between each hot sauce, what to to eat to like get the taste out or whatever. Yeah, definitely something with a little bit of oil. You know, bread will also help absorb. And mm-hmm. definitely, like, drink, keep your liquids going, but just not water, because that's not going to do anything. Perfect. I mean, 
I want some hot sauce now. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, don't have uh, a, we don't have a current hot sauce sponsor, so we're not gonna plug anybody. But if I had to, I think Ass Blaster or Ass Reaper would probably be a good one. <laughs> we gotta There's get them as a sponsor just for the name alone, Harry. That would be that would be awesome. Uh, hot sauce Bay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, honestly, we we love this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we we have all sorts of different kinds of interviews, but mostly we, we just want to talk to interesting people about interesting things. And yeah. very few things speak to us and our audience the way Hot Sauce does. So thank you so oh, much yeah. for joining us. If you do want to connect with him, do follow him at Hot Sauce Bay. Um, I sent I sent in a, a follow request throughout the interview. I was very excited by it. So um, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real real pleasure being here. That was Hot Sauce Bay, and the purpose of this interview was to interview him about hot sauce. And we're back. Sorry, didn't realize we're back. And we're back. Um, it was a cool conversation. Um, I had a good time. I love I love people who are new to the hot, to the uh, podcast game, Terry. They don't really understand the pacing necessarily, but you do get some great stories out of it. So, like, I saw early on, you know. Um, the dude was talking, and we both want to jump in because that's that's kind of what we do. We want to come in with other questions, but we both sort of laid back at the, towards the end of it, saying, "You know what? Tell your story. It's good to go." Yeah, yeah, he was awesome, and uh, he could do his own podcast. Just talk about hot sauce all day. Yeah, episode I, one. Episode, like, he talked about the Scoville uh, yeah. units. All that, so episode really one, good. history of Scoville. Absolutely, that was a nice throwback. Loved it. Episode two, which sauces burn your asshole. <laughs> So, or if you want the condensed version, listen to the interview with Hot Sauce Bay. <laughs> Eagle, is it time? We got time for Rapid Fire. All right. And this time, I got five of them for you. We're going to start off with the Pride of the Lions. Uh, in what could have appeared to be a comedy skit, uh, new Lions head coach Dan Campbell addressed the media and described what the team's new mission statement is going to be. This place has been kicked, it's been battered, it's been bruised, and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't, that, uh, none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that shit, so excuse my language. All right, here's what I do know, is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right, and the city's been been down, and it found a way to get up. All right, it's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before. Before long, where they're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. We post. I posted this on on our Instagram, and it was uh, uh, step one: uh, bite your kneecap. Step two: mm -hmm. uh, get up, bite another kneecap. Step three: lose football games. That's <laughs> I do like. I do like where he's he he like punctuates his points by saying "all right," and it just seems like a weird combination of words where you say "we're going to bite off your kneecap." all right like no it's not all right man. like you're like, asking for permission yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i don't know if dan campbell knows this but he's not coaching actual lions he's coaching people and most people don't bite off kneecaps and, and like he starts by saying you know i'm not going to give you the coach speak but then you just rattle off a whole bunch of nonsense 
I'm very excited. He signed a six-year contract, Terry. That's crazy. Six-year contract. Um, How long does he last? Dan Campbell, I'll be very happy. How long does he last? Depends if they get a good team around them. Four years? I never, uh, I never want people to lose their jobs, except for Adam Gase. I never, I never call for coaches to lose their jobs because, listen, if you, if you can earn, go earn. Um, I don't see Dan Campbell being a long-term head coach in the NFL. But, yo, let's enjoy, let's enjoy the wave. This is going to be awesome. Crazier, crazier things have happened. Not many. Probably not. Just I don't think so. The fact that he got hired is the crazier thing. All right, next, duking it out. Uh, Coach K seemed to get a little sensitive when a student journalist happens to be his first day on the job. Uh, Jake Piazza asked a fairly standard sports media question, and his response has now gone viral on social media. Hi, Coach. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard-fought game. Yeah, I don't know if, like, when you, what, what, what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay. So say you just had the toughest econ test in the world. And when you walked out, somebody asked you, what's your next step? Uh, you see what I mean? Does that, do you have some empathy and... And, you know, just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do. When I when I leave an exam room, the first thing I'm thinking about, if you ask me about what happened in that class, I'll be like, I have no idea what happened the entire semester. I blocked it out completely. I don't know I, why you I would leave exams and I was like, I crushed it. I got an A. I'm the greatest. By um, the time um, I got to the bar, I'm like, Pretty sure I failed that test. I used to tell myself that I failed every single exam. So if I did, I already expected it. But if I didn't and I passed, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I always had Um, two feelings. The first feeling is when they actually pass it out and you're out to look through it, right? Because I skim through just to look at the questions. And you get that initial gut feeling of, okay, I got this or I'm so fucked. And then right at the end when you leave and then you start – talking with your like your classmates about what it was and then either you're the one telling them the bad news or you're receiving the bad news and i've yeah. had both times it's not fun or you realize like, okay, like, it wasn't yo, that multiple choice <laughs> you get out you get out of the exam room and everyone's like yeah number three was you got 15 right and everyone's like yeah, yeah and you're like no i didn't get 15 i didn't get 15 i got a <laughs> i got false um, I got all of the above. <laughs> the thing is, like, like so, you know, Coach K saying that, you know, uh, we just want to talk about this game. And, like, look, it was a softball question. Come on, man. It's a student journalist. Like, you don't even have to answer real questions by real journalists. What if he would have come to you and said, like, hey, Coach K, why did your team suck balls tonight? Like, would he have answered that? Would he, would he have preferred that question? Yeah, what if you sucked ass? Mm, seriously. Just as long as you don't need hot sauce beforehand. Next, oh, QB whispers. Former Broncos defensive back Chris Harris has made the assertion that Peyton Manning taught Adam Gaze, the current uh, at that point in time the offensive coordinator, the uh, Denver offense essentially. So Gaze's work with Peyton Manning is largely responsible for his ascension to the Dolphins and Jets head coaching positions, and Manning has vouched for him in those jobs. So is Manning just a really big troll? I think. I think that. We are vindicated. It's been months, months we've been talking about this. 
months we've been talking about how Adam Gase had no idea what the fuck he was doing. And if it wasn't for Peyton Manning, the Broncos would have gone nowhere for months. And now we finally get the proof in Chris Harris. Thank you, Chris Harris. I want to again assert that we are not the podcast that fires coaches. No, I, whenever no. Alex, the intern, wants to fire people in the internet, I cringe. I find it just <laughs> a shitty look. Um, but we're, on this show, we don't do that. It's not our thing. We love Dan Campbell. We're excited about hearing nonsense. Of it's amazing. We hated Adam Gase. We thought he was an asshole. We thought he, he was incompetent. And again, to your point, Terry, it absolutely vindicates us. Thank you, Jarvis Landry, for, for having our back. Thank you, Chris Harris, for having her back. Thank appreciate you, to you. Everyone that Coach Gase ran off, we appreciate you. We love you. Absolutely. Next, uh, Superman versus Spider-Man. Uh, after a game, Shaq didn't hold back on his feelings towards Utah Jazz star Donovan Mitchell in this post-game interview. Spider versus Shaq. I, I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I want you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? That's it. <laughs> that's it? All right, that's it. Okay, cool. I mean, what are you supposed to say to that? I got in here Just imagine Listen. getting caught out live on air and having to I be get, like, your response. I get, I get Shaq. I get this. Like, he's trying to be like the guy that like the big brother. I see it. You know what I mean? Like, but there's ways to go about it. Not on when the when the the the, the spotlight is on the kid. The kid's like 24 years old. You know what I mean? He hasn't figured it out yet. He's a very good player. He's considered one of the best in the league. He's considered at least top 32 in the league, right? And he's so, being interviewed because he was player of the game. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> right? like, where what are you trying to get off at, Shaq? I love Shaq. We all do. I don't think anybody doesn't like him but what are you what are you trying to get out of here like leave like, let the kid have his fucking moment moment of, like go at him on twitter i guess right well like look so i get the big brother thing and, and kobe was a guy who was famous for this after his career you know taking guys under his wing but not putting himself in the spotlight because he felt like it was about these young guys who needed that spotlight Shaq is absolutely the opposite adam lefko uh, who's worked with him has said that Shaq is always looking to go viral and this is one example of it um I think this is Shaq's way of having fun. He has a little bit of a strange sense of humor. Uh, but I like Donovan Mitchell's response. Like, whatever, I don't care. Uh, like, Shaq is the exact kind of personality that would have been deeply offended and would have been wounded by this. I like Donovan Mitchell being like, whatever, I don't care. Like, whatever, whatever you say, old man. Whatever you want, buddy. And cool. last one for today. This Vax is for you. Um, Budweiser will not be airing an ad during the Super Bowl. The first time, I think, in 39 appearances or something. They will instead be using their marketing funds in order to boost vaccine awareness instead. And so as you guys answer or talk about this segment, I have some music from Delaroca beers that we're going to have in the background in the meantime. Music from um, Delaroca beers? Couldn't they just use that advertising space to advertise... For vaccine awareness as Budweiser. I just I don't understand why pulling out is important. I mean I understand there's other contexts. Yes, no pulling out stuff. sometimes is very important. Yeah. Just not this, this time. Right? Not this time though. No. I don't see how it helps raise awareness to not talk during the Super Bowl. Well, it could be because their because their beer is shit. Mm. And they're not making enough money, so this is a publicity spin. But uh, another thing is why don't you make a commercial on air? 
Put your money into there about vaccines. Yeah, so that's what I'm somehow saying. somehow link it. You get a vaccine shot, and then right after, two guys cheering because they're proud that they got the vaccine shot. You know, get a vaccine, get vaccinated, get a 12 pack of, uh, of Budweiser. Yeah, something like that. Swing and a miss. We should be the marketing directors for Budweiser. Absolutely, Budweiser. If you're looking to hire. Hire us. You'll be able to fire us very shortly thereafter because much like Adam Gase, we don't know what we're doing. Um, Terry. And that's the show. That's the show. Terry, thank you very much for everything you've done. Thanks to Hot Sauce Bay for joining us on the show. Eagle, thanks for keeping everything on the rails. But most importantly, thank you all for watching. Uh, Remember to like, subscribe, and pay attention to everything we're doing because we are putting a ton of content out there for you. Uh, We also have a giveaway uh, if you want to get um, something for your Valentine, you got to follow us. You got to follow Zuniga Design. You got to tag two people and like the post and get something for the person in your life that you mo- care most about. If it is me, I would give it to myself because I love me some me. And thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. Mm-hmm.